1: Visit
2: VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, recording this episode for Monday, May 3rd, 2021. AEW partner Turner has emerged as the buyer of NHL rights. What will it mean for AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night? And what does the deal say about the future value of TV sports rights? The latest on wrestling TV viewership as April comes to an end with competition from the NFL draft as well as a presidential address. How many people are actually using Peacock? Comcast had an earnings report this past week that shed some light on that question. Triple H sold... W stock. What, if anything, does it mean? And Variety has new information this week about digital video viewing and U.S. viewership demographics. All that and more. But first, we are joined by our colleague, Chris Gallo, who is, I think, fresh from the road. You have just emerged. From the long and winding uh, professional wrestling road, have you not?
2: Yeah, I uh, just got back from Columbus,
3: Columbus, Ohio. Yes,
2: yeah. This wasn't a wrestling trip, though. Oh, it
3: wasn't. It was. It was
2: a personal. uh, Like a friend of mine was having a diaper party. Oh, Uh, you told me that Yes. Well, I mean, the week before I was in Jersey. So, but you know, this week was just driving to Columbus for just personal reasons.
3: I don't know what I've been up to. I've been doing Python all week, which no one... I, c- I couldn't begin to explain what this means. <laughs> I've been doing... I'm um, basically, I'm now... Uh, I don't know how many lines are, are, of code are in this thing. But I'm now into a 600-line code program in Python that um, involves... Hopefully the Mitches aren't listening. But involves scraping data from Shobas daily, which... Have you visited the wonderful website Shobas Daily, Chris Gullo? Um, I
2: just get all my Shobas Daily reports from you. So I've not actually That's directly right. gone to their website.
3: So what would the wrestling news industry be without Shobas Daily? I, I I, don't know if they know. We should invite them on this podcast to discuss how, how valuable they are. And, uh, and all the wrestling fans who leave comments at the bottom of their posts asking for additional programs that do not make the top 150. But anyway, I'm trying to make a program that Automatically takes con takes the um the numbers from Showbiz Daily every day, and um as you may know, this is why I asked you if you've been to the to the site. So they will post an image of a chart, and uh, that chart is just an image. You can't copy and paste it, but but at at the bottom they do put text of just eighteen to forty nine and P two plus. So, but in the image we get like eight or nine demos. So. I would like that information, but you have to like manually enter it into a spreadsheet or something, which is what I've been doing for the last several years. And that's what's in the Russ viewership spreadsheet, which all the patrons have access to. So it would be nice to know what the wider TV trends are in those other demographics, but you need a machine that will read text out of an image. And I have found such a thing, which is not free so, thanks to all the the supporters through Patreon who have provided us with some funds that we can use to enhance our research here at WrestleNomics, seriously. And uh, I'm beginning to do that. It costs me like a few cents every time I process an image, but we can do that now, and it'll help me. It'll keep me from making so many mistakes when I when I tweet the the uh, the ratings news and whatnot. Uh, that's that's basically working right now, but it's a matter of I don't know, sorting out the, the details and, and the, the broadcast, not just the cable. So I've been focusing a lot on the cable because the cable is what is available in text. But the broadcast, so we're talking about network programs, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. C, don't forget CW. Yep. CW. Those are only in images. The Mitches never post those in text, at least in, in, in any full kind of way. So I have now scraped a lot of broadcast data and those scrape pretty nicely, you know, with, this is called OCR optical computer, I don't know, something reader, and it can get pretty messy, but, but those scrape pretty well, those convert. And, uh, we will, I, the idea is that I will be able to merge eventually the cable data and the broadcast data and tell, and and get better senses of like, well, which we'll talk about in, in a moment. You know, how how uh, difficult was the competition that such and such wrestling program was going up against? You know, I, I can get a pretty good sense of what was on cable, but broadcast is more difficult because it's locked in that image. Uh, but the NFL draft, for example, aired on ABC and, it, and it, did it air on ESPN as well? I don't even know off the top. Of my head, uh, yep. But, and NFL Network. Right. And uh, the, the presidential speech uh, aired on all different cable and, and network uh, channels. So. So this will give us give me a more complete view of, of what's going on in, in TV uh, and to compare, you know, oh, well, the, this program's, you know, raw is down year over year by this degree. Well, how does that compare? We know how it compares to cable, but let's it'll allow me to include broadcast if, if that is, is in any way useful. So that's what I've been doing this past week.
2: Keeping busy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's for sure. Yes. Well, if we want to get right into it, uh, you know, TV is going to be the theme of a lot of today, uh, and we'll kind of get right into the first story that we have here for WrestleNomics this week, and is Turner buying the rights to the NHL. Now, these are the secondary rights, as ESPN has um, the first rights to it, but uh, they do—they basically have the same rights that NBC Universal had before, and it looks like they outbid NBC Universal. And that deal is going to be up to 225 million a year. And then the overall NHL rights haul is going to be 625 million, which uh, is looked to be more than double of what they were originally getting. Now, obviously, and we're going to hear from Tony Khan himself on the show here, but I want to hear your thoughts on this because you, you've been stressing how live sports is such a commodity for these networks and the NHL traditionally doesn't have the greatest ratings in a lot of markets, the markets that usually does successful in are more mid market uh, and not like top 10 markets. So, I mean, this just shows that live programming is assessed in such a high value.
3: Yeah. And I uh, would have to dig into the, the NBC SN numbers, but you know, NHL ratings were not, were definitely not increasing. They were declining. Um, But live sports, you know, NHL is decisively the fourth, most popular of the big four team sports. But um, no, I think it just, it signals at least among these big ones and that um, those sports rights are going to continue to grow in value still. Uh, There's no, there's no bubble that's about to burst. Uh, So I think that's maybe a good sign for wrestling rights, at least for WWE and AEW. Something that Nick Khan alluded to in the earnings call a couple of weeks ago though, is that maybe the, the biggest players, the biggest players, will will definitely benefit. The NFL will will eat everybody's lunch if they have to. Will the the secondary players on on the tier below that? Uh, will they sort of get squeezed out with no more resources left to pay them with? And and does does we fall in into that tier someday? Does aw fall into that tier? Uh, we'll see. Um, Do we know that NBC was outbid? Did they bid? Because according to Nick Khan. Um, I mean, that's,
2: I don't know if we know that for, for true, but it seems like, I mean, I would imagine there'd be an interest mm-hmm. there and I'm sure an offer was put in and, you know, Turner getting it. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, yes, the rates, ratings are declining, but this live sports demand is so huge. Why wouldn't they try to retain
3: it on their networks? Yeah. I, I wonder if maybe this is a decision that they sort of came to that led to the announcement that you NBC Sports network is going to fold, but we'll we'll let uh, the sports media podcasts like uh, Richard Deitch and, and so forth handle that. Um, but Tony Khan, so what does this mean for for EW on Wednesday night? Because Wednesday night hockey is a big night. Is is that what they call hockey night in Canada? In Canada, is that Wednesday no, night? No, that's, that's Saturday. That's Saturday. Okay.
2: Yeah, and th- and that's the CBC. I I think CBC still has it. I I couldn't tell you. CBC oh, they must be. Yeah I, yeah, I couldn't tell you which Canadian network is the one that has it still. Um, mm-hmm. But that's originally Saturday nights. But Wednesday night was the NBC hockey night. And yeah. does John Cherry speak at I think he got fired from. Is, has uh, he been canceled? From Hockey Night. He was canceled. Yes, he actually
3: was. <laughs> you just guessed that, didn't you? No, I think I heard that. That's- <laughs> no, yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's not get into why. <laughs> um, so, so Wednesday night might be a hockey night for TNT. Is is the moral of the story here? Uh, obviously, NHL isn't running year round, but this will begin at the beginning of the next NHL season. Which was that? Is that going to be October now? Are we re- reset to the normal schedule? I, I think we're reset to normal as of right now. So maybe as early as next fall, is AEW going to have to move or? Uh, be on a different night or maybe Wednesday night hockey will be on a different channel altogether. We don't really know, but Tony Khan uh, was on busted open on Wednesday coincidentally, but to promote dynamite and he had these comments,
2: Tony, uh, the Turner broadcasting, um, networks have gotten a lot stronger. The, the NHL contract now seven years, you know, and now everybody's talking, oh my gosh, is AEW Dynamite going to move?
1: Is, is, is this going to be a, a crazy situation? Do you worry about that at all? Or are you perfectly fine and know that Wednesday night is your slot in your home? I know Wednesday nights our slot in our home and we're in a great situation. I'm thrilled with our partnership with TNT. You know, it's a lifeblood of our company. It's our primary revenue source. And it's the way most fans get exposed to AEW and see the show. And tonight and every Wednesday that we do dynamite, I think, uh, you know, for a lot of wrestling fans, it's a really important night of the week. And so I want everyone to rest assured that they're not going to have to worry about these kinds of majors. Um, you know, we have a contract, we have two and a half years left on it, over two and a half years left on it, uh, for Wednesday nights in this slot. And if there was ever, uh, an opportunity to move, or if there was a, a deal to be had, I would consider it. And it, you know, if we did something, it would have to be a really good deal for AEW. It would have to make sense for us. But, you know, as it stands right now, that's, that is that um, is the spot we're in tonight, 8 to 10 Wednesday nights on TNT. And if we move, uh, you know, I I would certainly consider, a, a, you know, a deal if there was uh, something in it for AEW.
3: So there's Sony Con on Wednesday. It, my read on that is that, you know, we love our, our business partners. Of course, you have to say that at the beginning of every conversation that it concerns your business partners. We well, Turner's we, we're, we're so grateful. And we have such a good relationship with them. Uh, but it sounds like uh, if if their spot does get threatened by the NHL, that they'll uh, use it as leverage to to get something out of it for free, whether that's a renegotiated deal, money or, or something else.
2: And there's a lot of variables right now. I'm, he probably doesn't know much more than we do, uh, as far as what it entails because we have to remember ESPN being the major rights to holder. They didn't actively have it last year other than airing games on ESPN plus. So we don't know where it's going to fit in their landscape of broadcasting as well as I have heard that it's not just TNT, TBS could possibly have hockey too. So. Yeah there there there's a there's a lot of ways that they can they can go with this and i mean if they're doing consistent numbers in in on wednesday nights for dynamite that they like like i said the nhl i don't have it off the top of my head but i don't think it blows i i don't think it
3: does much more than dynamite if it might even do less (laughs) no especially in the the demo if i mean we're talking about turner here we know that Turner's told aw that they they really value the, the demo more than total viewership um who knows what it will do on TNT. I expect it will perform. If they say it's on TNT, I expect it will perform the same, if not better, than NBC Sports Network. I suspect it would perform a little bit better. Um, and I, so AEW right now is putting up 0.30, 0.40 sometimes in the demo. We're, we're going to see where they really even out here in the next few weeks now that they're unopposed by NXT. But I, I think NHL games, I would have to look it up. And and the the giant Excel spreadsheet with all the showbiz daily info is too big for me to open up right now, but I think they were doing under a, under a point two zero in in the demo for you know these Wednesday night games. But when you're a TV network, does that really matter though? Because you can get even though you have a lower rating with the NHL, you might be able to sell uh, better. You know, you might be able to generate more ad revenue because it's the NHL and not pro wrestling. And I
2: imagine TNT will put their own spin on it, like they did with the NBA, where they have all these dynamic personalities on the pre and the halftime show with Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Smith, and you know mm-hmm. NBC Sports didn't have that for hockey. Like, so I can imagine them getting those type of guys. Would you suggest
3: for some some uh, good promos for the
2: NHL. Uh, well, maybe they'll uncancel Don Cherry or <laughs> or um. His his name escapes me, for but there was the guy with the uh, I don't know why I can't think of a guy with a really good nice mullet from ESPN, uh, but he would oh, be somebody. Barry Melrose. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Barry Melrose is a guy that they could look at. Jeremy Roenick is a pretty dynamic media personality. There's there's guys out there, so mm-hmm.
3: so that's that's basically my thoughts. I I would um I would be a little I guess it's sort of like you know um. Your your friend has a new friend who's uh, cooler than you are, I guess. Even though you're really doing better than than that friend is in some ways, and you know, you're, I, I I would be a little unsettled about it. Um, they're never going to show that publicly, whether they are or not. Um, but there's that. So, but maybe it leads to some way to leverage some benefit for AEW.
2: All right, so we will move on to viewership, Brandon, and uh, all the wrestling, because there's so much now, the wrestling-related programming uh, throughout the week, and we're going to start with April 23rd's SmackDown.
3: So the overnight rating, so we're, we're talking about April 23rd, which is two weeks ago, Friday. Right. Whenever you listen to the show, we're always talking about a, an, an older episode, which is what we have the, the final ratings for. We have the overnight for this most recent Friday night. Uh, those the most recent Friday night looks to have done under 2 million, somewhere around me, 1.9 million, um, going against the NFL draft on ABC, the second round though, the second day, Yeah, second uh, and third round. Yeah, That's what they're doing on the second day is the second and third round. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so maybe it was affected by that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, SmackDown's always the most viewed program in, in, in the wrestling universe. Um, that demo is, is maybe, maybe, uh, falling a little bit, but, uh, we are going to enter into this time here of May. We're now in May. We are recording. Most people are probably listening to this on, on the third. We were recording on the second and we're now in May and um, wrestling viewership as uh, patrons of WrestleNomics no, because there's a post about it this week uh, beyond the paywall wrestling viewership in May for Raw and even for SmackDown because May has always fallen uh, in, in such a way that it did not benefit as much from the year over year uh increases between all their network and time slot changes. But anyway, main roster W viewership always falls month to month in May. It always falls from May from where it was in April, sometimes by, by double digits, sometimes by as much as 20%. So I would expect Ron's and SmackDown viewership to, f- to, to be substantially lower this month than it was last month.
2: We may see the biggest drop in a long time in the summer. And it's nothing even to do with the product. It's, it's the summer and people are getting vaccinated Mm -hmm. and all the stuff they wanted to do last summer. All they want to go do it this summer. I mean, I know a lot of weddings that were canceled last year. They got pushed to this year. So there's like double weddings happen. Like it's, it's going to be a very active summer for, for, you know, Americans are just people generally because of being vaccinated and it being a little more free reigned as far as the restrictions and whatnot. So yeah, I expect TV ratings as a whole to go down this summer.
3: That's good spin. If any W executives are, are listening, take notes. You might 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 want to reference those on <laughs> the uh, next explain away declining ratings if there are declining ratings. Um yeah, we had um AW Dynamite on Wednesday, of course, uh one point one million viewers last week. 1.2 million viewers the week before that this week going against uh, President Biden's address to Congress. It was to Congress, right? 889,000 viewers. So that's down substantially. 0.33 demo rating versus 0.37 the week before versus 0.44 the week before that. So that's a, that's a big decline. And again, 1849 had not been growing, had not been exploding as much as the overall audience had because they had this huge injection of people over the age of 50 who are now watching AEW and before they were watching NXT or something. But um, you can... Uh, I, don't, I never take one one week that seriously. Uh, Especially for the
2: 50-plus. I mean, it was a presidential speech. Like, that seems to be...
0: I would not have expected it to, to decline launch.
3: this much, but uh, it did. And we'll see what happens next week. You know, uh, I, uh, I I always... Since I've now committed to doing all the, the doing a tweet now every day, I have to do it every every afternoon. There's a rating: Monday it's SmackDown, Tuesday it's Raw, Wednesday it's NXT, Thursday it's AEW, and Friday it's Impact. And uh, I get many quote tweets of people uh, taking one one rating to mean a conclusion to some vast narrative. But I don't know; it's just one, one, one week's rating. We'll see what happens if it stays below a million. You might be like, all right, well, maybe there was just a, a little explosion there for the first weeks that they were unopposed, and now we're getting back to a normal place. And in addition to what I said earlier about May being this month of decline for Raw and SmackDown, how does that affect AEW Dynamite or, or NXT? I don't know. Um, w, w, uh, NXT is obviously a WWE product. Is there some sort of WrestleMania slump, you know, post WrestleMania slump that they'll, they'll be into? They kind of peak with takeovers around that time. Does this matter at all to AEW? Is this strictly a WWE thing? obviously these programs existed last year in April but last year in April we were in the early days of the pandemic and everybody's ratings were falling pretty badly uh, but we'll see um, we we have blood and guts next week and then the Eugene Eugene,
2: Eugene Nagata John Moxley next Nagata, week after yeah that's right <sighs> like, i'll be too excited. so so i i would expect there'll be a bump up you know, maybe a little over a million, but I expect to bump up, especially with blood and guts next week. And I think the live effect has something to do with it. Even though spoilers don't get out, I just feel like people, if they know it's not live, it, it the, the less people tune in. I know that sounds I weird. Whether
3: it's live or not in any given week. I don't know. if anybody <laughs> knows. I mean, I'm sure there's a segment of, of people that think that way. I don't know if anybody.
2: I mean, I've figured out their, their schedule. Like I could tell their taping schedule. Yeah. So
3: yeah, I'm, I'm sure if you think about it for a minute, you can figure it out. Yeah. Um uh, but you can you can book Shaq. You can book Mike Tyson. And maybe they draw some ratings, but this week you have Eugene Nagata and that's a whole different level. So we'll see what happens. Um, but we now so Impact Impact also going against the NFL draft. Only 120,000 viewers versus last week 100, 141, before that 132. They were coming off the pay-per-view uh, where Kenny Omega won the title. So this is proof that Kenny Omega is not a draw because <laughs> it's not it's mediocre and not that good. Uh, demo rating was fine, it was 05, same as it did last week. Very dull precision here because it's a demo rating that's so close to zero. Uh, but that's what it is. Um, as far as uh, n- and maybe the NFL draft mattered a lot. Maybe maybe it didn't. But I can tell you that uh, Impact their average viewership. Uh, let's let's so AEW started to interact with Impact in December of this year, right? And I have impact right. viewership going all the way back to the beginning of their run on access. Um, so the average viewership, let's say September, October, November before AEW, it's 168, 150, 137. And uh, since in December, it's been 100. I'm using medians here, by the way. So this should clear away uh, even the big spikes when it comes to that huge rating they did for the first Kenny Omega episode. So anyway, pre-AEW. 168, 150, 130, 37. Post AEW, 166, 155, 172, 144, 139. Not a huge difference. Those first few months, yes. But the bigger difference is in 18 and 49, where you can look at again, September, October, November, 43, 39, 36. That's pre AEW. Then we get to December. will do, I'm, I'm going to recite now December. To April, 53, 58, 59, 47, 65. This is based on converting the demo rating to a viewership rating. So this is not exact, but it's probably pretty close. Uh Again, before AEW, you're in the 30s, the 40s maybe. After that point, after December, you're in the 50s. Maybe the high 40s at worst. And maybe even into the 60s as they appear to have been in April. So, I don't know. I... I <laughs> People have brought up to me, "Well, the what is this relationship for Impact uh, really good for A, for for Impact? Uh, this relationship with AEW really good for Impact? They're having uh, Kenny Omega win the title. Their their title uh, is is it even helping their rating stats? It's yes, it's helping their ratings. Yep. It is. Uh, they they had uh, in the spring they were down in the thirty thirty thousand P eighteen forty nine viewers per show, and now they're doing fifty, sometimes sixty. No worse than the high 40,000s that's that, an ad demo.
2: Yeah. And you're starting to see New Japan talent, too, which I think is helping out, too, for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like New Japan fans in America are pretty much the same fans as AEW, uh, maybe with some exceptions. But I think like with, you know, you got Finjuice and Alpha and Tasmo is now uh, coming to impact and stuff like that. I think that that does garner an interest. You know, it's a we, new, new Japan doesn't really have a TV deal in the States, but all their talent seem to be popping
3: up on other programs. Well, they have Roku. They're on Roku every Friday night. I know you tune in. <laughs> On the Roku. They track. are there on the Roku. Um, <laughs> LW was on Vice this Saturday, right? Yes, yesterday. Yes. So, uh, yes. Saturday.
2: Um, don't no, have I have uh, numbers for you yet. No, we have but no numbers on that. But they I don't show. know if that
3: was concurring programming or it was like a recap because I heard. That was an old program. They're, they're, yeah. At least this first week. I think the first couple of weeks are going to be old programming. But uh, if it did make the top 150, we should be finding out probably Tuesday because I think we get. Uh, Saturdays on Tuesday, the final ratings. Uh, I don't strongly expect a, a program that aired at noon uh, on a Saturday on Vice to, to make the top 150, but if if it does, we will know. We will we will discuss it. Um, I guess uh, since April is over, we can talk a little. I already went through Impact, I guess, but we can talk a little bit about uh, what the month uh, the month being over tells us about uh, this section of time, the macro trends, rather than focusing on one week's rating uh we can talk about what happened in the month um and as you would expect of course AEW and nxt were up substantially uh in total audience AEW is up 32 percent. nxt is up 16 percent. this is only a partial month where they've been unopposed but that's a median uh we will get a better idea of again how their how their trends are really going to even out uh in may and in, in, the, in the following months of course uh Raw was up, and that was not that's not year over year. That that was month to month. It's it's similar year over year. Up forty four percent for AEW, up eighteen uh, percent in the demo. AEW is up thirty nine percent. NXT is up twenty seven percent year over year. And uh, RAW and SmackDown are each just down slightly in total audience by about six percent and five percent respectively. And I would consider that pretty good. Now remember, so what's what's TV overall doing in the universe where all TV is down? TV is down. Cable is down. Non-news cable is down about 25% right now on a year over year basis. So anything that's better than negative 25 ish percent, I would consider pretty good. Um, And there's, there's obviously extenuating circumstances in the cases of AEW and NXT, but they're, you know, because they're benefited from not being opposed by each other. But I think all the wrestling programs, those five are doing pretty well right now. And, uh, I, I don't know if their networks are happy or what they expect, but I think they're doing fine.
2: Um, just to talk about a little more viewership from the week, we did see a drop on the A&E biographies. The Roddy Piper uh, did 880,000, which was a drop from Stone Cold, which did over a million. Uh, and then uh, the Most Wanted Treasures, 769, which I, I not a huge drop from where, where it was. And this was Undertaker and Kane, but not a huge drop from the the, the Mick Foley episode. Uh, I am kind of surprised about the drop there. I mean, I guess Austin is a bigger star than Piper, but
3: and it was the would- first. I think the first is always yeah. going to do. Um, tonight is who's tonight? Do you know, Macho Man. The Macho. That's right, Macho Man Randy right, Savage. That's right. So th- these are doing again. These are doing really well. I did not expect them to do this well. Um, I think it. I wonder how much Dark Side of the Ring played into this decision, just to, to to be able to sell this. Um, Vice is a smaller network than AEW, and they're they're doing better viewership than, than Vice was doing for for Dark Side of the Ring. But v- let's not take anything away from Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. They, those those are the biggest ratings that Vice has ever done. <laughs> I think the Owen Hart episode is is like the the, the, the network's biggest show ever. Um, comes back this week too. That's right. But it's they have released. released
2: the first hour of the Pillman episode on YouTube. So I've seen people talking about that. They're doing Nick Gage. They're yep. doing uh, F they're doing plane, plane ride from, from hell. hell. That's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm actually really intrigued by the collision in Korea. I've actually listened to podcasts on it too, but like it's, I just couldn't imagine what was going through those talents actually doing a wrestling show in North Korea. So
3: I'm, I'm looking forward in a few years to the Saudi Arabia episode. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it's. I'm, I'm sure it's been
2: discussed. Especially yeah, now, been, we know yeah. some of those people that were probably stuck in that plane are were, have been released.
3: Oh yeah, so yeah. Con Confound witness number one is no longer with uh, WB. <laughs> um, yeah. Miss and Mrs. Six hundred seventy thousand viewers, which is almost the same as it did the week before with the lead out. It's getting the lead in from Raw. Um, yeah. Yeah, these a and uh, shows continue to do all right. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm slightly surprised that the, the biographies are doing better. But then when you think about how, how well uh, Dark Side of the Ring did and you know, how much energy there is around brief uh, engagements with nostalgia, it, it makes sense. History documentaries are becoming back in.
2: Like uh, you've seen the History Channel pivot back to that. Um, But they do like the live reenactments with like, you see the food to built America and the men that built America and the Titans that build America, like all these, like, and they do like, I mean, I don't have, but I, I, their Twitter trends are crazy. Like I would imagine they do very well. I mean, if Twitter doesn't mean anything, if if you ask Nick Khan, but, 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 uh,
3: well, wait a minute. They're doing great on digital and social. The the eyeballs are moving,
2: (laughs) but, uh, History documentaries are kind of are becoming back in, you know, and
3: it's, it's a nostalgia factor. You're a big history documentary fan. Are you not? Is I love true? history documentaries. Yes. You and Tony Soprano. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs>
2: What's next? All right. Well, um, I don't know. We, we really discussed like NXT did, uh, 744,000. So a l- l- little bit of a dip overall, uh, 280, uh, thousand of that that was the uh 18 to 49 and then um i think we did cover everything else yeah we talked about impact and all that so we can move on uh to our good friend paul Levesque, mm-hmm. uh and uh sold a little bit of his stock uh, he sold 43 percent of the shares that he held um he uh completed the sale and it sold at original at the average price which is 55 60 which they've been around uh for their share and it's it's worth about $2 million. Now, I know you uh, kind of gone deep in this. And, of course, people are going to jump to conclusions on things like this. Um, but it was just kind of a standard, hey, let's make a, a financial move. This means for, for Triple,
3: himself. H, Triple H is pessimistic about WWE. He's on his way out, right? This <laughs> is what this means. I feel like sometimes my job is to diffuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this isn't a story. but But it's a story. But, I mean, I wrote an article about it. It better be a story. But uh, it's, it's not um, – it's easy to misconstrue what these things mean. Um, people sell stock all the time in WB who are executives. I mean, all the time, once in a while, every every couple months, every month or so, there's – I would say in a given quarter, there's a few of these, right? And, uh, but mostly, it's done by people who, who do not garner clicks on, on news websites and, and, and social media. Um, it's people like Patricia Gottsman. And um, maybe Alan Wexler remembers the board of directors Um, or Gotsman used to be. Let's 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 not confuse anybody here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but Triple H actually for a long, long time, uh, he's been accumulating stock and he had not made any sales up until last year. So that is interesting. That is remarkable. Um, He's been getting stock. I think he gets it every year. Uh, I don't think he gets it for being on the board of directors, which he is. But I think because he's an executive, he doesn't get that additional board compensation. Not sure. But anyway, he gets stock as part of his compensation at least every year, I think. And uh, he has millions of dollars worth of W stock. This represented, I think, as you mentioned, 43% of his stock at that time before the sale. Uh, he still has, obviously, he still has um, millions of dollars, a couple, two, three million dollars worth of stock. I think probably I have two and a half. is probably left. $2.4 million worth of stock at market value. Um, he made a few sales last year in May and in August, uh, he, in May, he made a, a a sale of 23,255 shares. And two days later, his wife, chief brand officer, Stephanie McMahon made the exact same number of shares. She sold the exact same number of shares. So that points to me that that was something personal, some sort of personal financing decision that they made. And that's probably what any of this stuff is. Um, does it tell you that they're not expecting the stock to, Jump and spike tomorrow. Uh, probably. Yeah. That probably does tell you that. I think there's just, you know, they're, you know, they probably want to buy something big or save money for their kids or who knows. And that's all it is. But it's maybe but it's trying
2: fine. some other investments. Hey, we have all this built in money. Let's, 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 uh, let's buy a million dollars of Dogecoin. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It's maybe, back
3: maybe, on the up. <laughs> maybe he's going to, going to buy uh, a lot of motorcycles and leather jackets. Maybe, uh, have you seen the NXT set lately? What what is going on with the aesthetic of NXT? The the,
2: the, the, the Capitol Wrestling Center. <laughs> yes, it's. I it it looks like something out of a 1991 WCW pay per view. <laughs> like that's the, the, the uh, that's what it looks like to me. Like WCW presents Rage in the Cage
3: with the Barbarian versus Sting as the main event. <laughs> One of our colleagues here, the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, Garrett Kidney, I think put it best that it's it looks like a level from Wolfenstein. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. So that's all. Yeah. Uh, About the Triple H thing. Paul
2: So I got a question for you, Brandon. How popular is the WWE? Well, uh, uh, Gavin Bridge from Variety kind of dug into that a little bit. Of how popular uh w w e is as far as and like YouTube views and demographic breakdown and
3: all that if you want to get into that yes yeah, so there's an article from variety um i'm I'm going to pull up something that I did earlier this week why don't you why don't you uh, summarize these charts that are in the notes here? All right
2: well, we have the global total monthly minutes that were watched on youtube, and uh w w e surpasses a lot of uh, major sports organizations and sports media conglomerates. Um, WWE, they have here, did four and a half uh, four and a half a billion views in March of 20, 2021, to give you a little perspective, uh, just under a billion for, for UFC, uh, and MBA. And I mean, uh, you, MBA's is under a billion ESPN is under a billion, the NFL is under a billion MLB is under a billion. The Olympics are under a billion, uh, and they stayed like that, um, You see a little bit of spikes over a billion, but they were pretty much all under a billion where WWE pretty much from April 2020 to March 2020 range anywhere from 4.5 billion to mm, probably 3.7 back up to like, it looks like 4.7 at one point. And right now they're around 4.5. So uh, that surprises me. But I mean, yes and no. I know a lot of people that don't watch Raw and SmackDown every week. But you know how they know what's going on in Ron's back down every week? They'll watch the clips on YouTube. Um, and I mean, WB does a great job at their social media marketing and stuff like that. Uh, I am a little surprised it's that much more than like the NBA and the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Olympics and, and ESPN, really, they're probably going to keep most of their stuff like with them. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but it kind of surprised me that it's, you know, Three and a half million billion more than uh, yeah.
3: the NFL so, and, and, and NBA. I think there's two things to to read from this. Is that I think for one, WWE is disproportionately global than most of these other brands, right? The NFL, yeah. primarily, it's a US product. It's most most valuable media product in the US, but it's primarily a US. Not that, not that there aren't people around the world who watch the NFL, but it's disproportionately US. Um, NBA bit more global. And you see NBA is at the top of this, right? Before we get to the, the, the giant, you know, the stratosphere way above that, that WWE lives in. Um, Olympics are obviously global. But the Olympics are four, four times, well, if it's including winter in years, you know, every two years. Um, so I think wrestling fans or WWE fans specifically are, are disproportionately global. And they're probably also disproportionately engaged with social and digital media, at least concerning uh, WWE they are. And I think the difference in within the case of W E is that a, a wrestling program is broken up into all these little segments that are for the most part, uh, exclusive, exclusive from each other. So there's all these little bites to, to check out, I guess. Whereas a, a sports game, an NFL game, NBA, MLB, NBA is, is this more linear narrative, um, so I think it's different in that way. So there's that. But I think there's also a replacement factor happening here as far as people who are less engaged. I think people who are m- more engaged, I think are more likely, all other things being equal, to consume through linear. Um, because that's that's the way that you primarily are able to watch it live. I think, I guess, as far as any of these things are concerned. There's only one way to watch any of these things live, and that's through linear TV, unless you're doing something illegal it's um, it's very rarely you're going to want to watch
2: a sports highlight over and over and over. I mean, you want to watch it live or you watch it even on like a recap in ESPN on sports center, you know? And I think what happens too is, is that it's not just like NBA will put out the highlight of, Oh, look at this, you know, crazy move by LeBron James. ESPN's going to put it out. The basketball team themselves is going to put it out. Uh, you know, the maybe the local paper is going to put the clip. It's going to be shared in a lot of things, and it's not just coming from the NBA. So, not all eyes are going on the NBA social media, if you know what I mean. It's mul- you're going to get the clip from multiple sources. Where WWE so is about YouTube,
3: here, right? You're saying that I'm. Are you yeah, sure yeah. That, that these other media outlets have the the rights to put an NBA clip on their YouTube channel?
2: I mean, I think at least the the sports organization themselves and like ESPN and TNT do. Yeah.
0: I think there's yeah. another factor. Yeah, go. I'm no, I,
2: that's what I was saying. And I mean, if you just look at the, I mean, and I and the channel views right now, um, in March, uh, WB was a little over eighty million. Yeah, I mean, the NBA in March definitely took a dive, uh, to like fifteen, but their highest was thirty five million, and they were like the closest to it. So that shows you just the big divide of that. But uh, yeah, no, th- what I mean is like, yeah, you can, you know, maybe not the. Other media outlets, but ESPN or TNT, whoever has
3: the game, will put highlights on too. And I think another factor is there's a rewatch factor. I think less so that, that people are watching the same clip, the same new clip over and over again, but that there's there are people who are viewing new content and there are people who are viewing old content too. Uh, you can find, I think, one of the most viewed uh, Clips on videos on, on W's YouTube channels, like a Rey Mysterio versus Great Khali match, which, you know, it's like a full match, which certainly wasn't posted on YouTube at the time. It was never new content to YouTube. It was only, you know, old content. So there's, I think there's, and that's the thing about wrestling is that there's, uh, that's why their library is more valuable and has more of a shelf life than other sports libraries do because no- nobody wants to sit down and watch a three hour NFL game from 10 or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's rare. But more people uh, as, as a percentage of their audience are willing to watch an old wrestling pay-per-view, for example. So I think there's, there's that. So it's, I think it's disproportionately global. I think the people are disproportionately engaged in digital, maybe by their nature, but also by their semi-engagement. And there's more of an appetite for old content among WWE fans.
2: One of the things that WWE does differently, too, is they put a lot of exclusive content out there, like on YouTube, like interviews and, and little shows and stuff like that, where NBA, MLB, ESPN, they have their own networks. They want to keep a lot of that, especially for their streaming services, especially like ESPN is going to pull out of that secondary stuff on ESPN Plus.
3: So that's a view of what they're doing digitally. Other metrics, just to check in on W popularity. Uh, there's not much that we can really look at in a, on a year-over-year basis in 2021. And um, we're, we're really only going to look at 2020. Uh, we have TV viewership, which is complicated. But uh, TV viewership over the last, I did this chart on my Twitter on, I don't know what this was, Tuesday or something. Uh, where I charted 2017, 18, 19, and 20. And over those four years, how much did all these metrics that I'm about to go through decline in? Uh, total viewership declined 14% for Raw. How does that compare to TV overall using top 20, top 50 non-news cable? Uh, top 50 non-news cable declined 11% again. Raw down 14%, TV overall down 11%. But in 1849, which, which W does pretty well in 1849, but that's down 18% over those four years. Top non-news cable down 16%. So a little bit, only by a couple percent, percentage points. Uh, a little bit lower than top 59 news cable. Um, over those four years, W Network, which is a new form of media, which I think you should expect to to have grown, uh, up 1% from 2017. And I'm using the uh, the average number of subscribers by day across the entire year, which is something that they report publicly. Um, there's been no ticket sales in 2020 other than WrestleMania, well, that, and that was 2022. But from 2017 to 2019, ticket sales were down 37%. Uh, in North America, uh, worldwide, we're also down 37%. And uh, those are averages. But if you want to look at the total attendance, because maybe it's skewed by the number of, att- number of events they run. Well, that was down worse, down 44%. Uh, e-commerce has really benefited in 2020 because I guess because there was no venue merch. Or maybe people just got really interested in buying certain merchandise. But revenue merchandise that's bought online is up 5% over those four years. Product licensing revenues, though that's revenues related to things like action figures and video games and other categories, that's down 7% over those four years. EVOD viewing, as we just alluded to, is up 31% in terms of hours views. That's not just clicks views, but that's actual time spent viewing. That's global. That's up 31%. Google Web Search, though, Google Web Search Index from Google Trends, down 21% over that same time period four years but revenue is up four seven percent and operating income which is a measure of profitability is up 44 percent so basically all the numbers all the metrics that I just went through are all down except for the W network which is up which was up one percent e-commerce which is up five percent and ad supported video on demand viewing it's basically just online video viewing across YouTube Facebook etc that is up 31 percent but total revenue up Total operating income up because, as we talk about all the time here, media values are through the roof despite declining ratings.
2: You also have a chart here, Brandon, that you sent uh, to me with the uh, US demographic viewership breakdown. Yes. Um, so, how much percentage of you know that viewer is
3: a certain age group? The, the moral of the story here, I, I think, is that all these programs are the same in terms of age breakdown. They're all, they're all the same. This, this idea that uh, AEW has this younger viewer than, than W programs, uh, that was yeah, very close in, too. <laughs> Yeah, That was bared out in, in, in TV viewership, but that was bared out in TV viewership because more uh, young people were watching AEW over NXT, which made NXT look disproportionately old and made AEW look disproportionately young. Uh, I, I, I saw this in, in, the, in the Facebook ad uh, surveys that I did, where everybody looks to be the same. Uh, maybe you want to talk about Ring of Honor, and Impact. Maybe that's different. Maybe New Japan's different. But at least the the WWE versus the AEW viewer, they're roughly the same age. I don't I don't think there's any big significant age demographic difference. I do think there are differences in terms of WWE has more African American fans by by proportion than AEW does. Maybe Hispanic fans as well. But um, but in terms of age, I don't think there's a strong difference here. All
2: right, so we're going to move on to the Peacock. The Peacock. The Peacock, yes. I, and, uh,
3: I, I, I want to enforce a Vince McMahon-like rule here that anytime we refer to NBC Universal streaming service, it needs to be referred to as the Peacock.
2: <laughs> the there Peacock.
3: Isn't, there isn't a pe- Peacock. The Peacock. So
2: it's it's the people. Peacock, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, they, um, there was another Variety uh, article this time. It was by Heidi Chung. And uh, really, we want to know how many people are actually using Peacock. And has maybe WWE helped Peacock? You know, as far as their overall
3: subscriber base. Yes. So this this variety article this was just covering the the Comcast uh, quarterly report, which was this past week. So Comcast is the parent company of NBC Universal, which is the company behind the Peacock. So uh, in in their their earnings report, which I, I did look, I did glance at the at the transcript and the CEO of of Comcast is there and the CEO of MEC Universal. There's multiple CEOs in the same room for this earnings report. Imagine that. Funnily enough, nobody will care about this but me, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Comcast's uh, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations is Marcy Rivaker, I think, who I was like, I know that name from somewhere. She used to be a stock analyst who covered WWE. Now, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations at Comcast. How about that? Small world, huh? <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, WE did get mentioned. I did do a control F in the in the transcript for WE. They did mention it a couple times in passing because just the nature of the, the W network coming to the Peacock. Um, <clears throat> but the, the the excerpt from the Variety article that I think is relevant uh, to us uh, is is this, uh, where Hai Chung writes: Peacock, which was being closely watched by investors, added nine million signups and now boasts. 42 million domestic signups. It's not subscribers. It's not signups. It goes on. Uh, Comcast attributed some of Peacock's growth to the office and its recent exclusive deal with the WWE network. But to clarify yet again, quote unquote, signups does not equal paid subscribers. There is still no clarity on how many people are paying for the service and how much money Comcast is making from users. All we know is monthly active accounts, which illustrates how many households use Peacock monthly. And those were about a third of the 42 million signups or about 14 million accounts and quote. That's again from Heidi Chung at variety, 14 million accounts are using Peacock on an average monthly basis. Uh, not that they I read that that's all U S so think about that in contrast to the 1.1 million subscribers that W has specifically to its service direct consumer until it sold rights to NBC Universal, uh, in January. So, in theory, that's a lot more people who could watch WrestleMania or whatever W content that they want. Doesn't mean they are. I'm, I'm, I'm sure a small fraction of those 14 million have touched W content on Peacock, but who knows? There it is. 14 million people have access to this. Now we know. All right, and uh,
2: uh, going into our uh, last story of the week. Um, we actually have some pay-per-view by estimates from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, kind of just going of the highlights here, AEW Revolution looks to be cl- hes closer to 159,000 total book buys, which earlier report was 125,000, so good news for AEW on that. Now, you have to remember that this is n- – doesn't include network subscriptions and stuff like that. So this is people traditionally buying pay-per-view like the way they used to. Um, I would, the biggest buy for, for WWE was SummerSlam. Well, Royal Rumble, seventy seven thousand three hundred, And then SummerSlam and WrestleMania at 6,800. And then uh, actually NXT takeover 5,300 uh, the one on October 4th. Um, and just kind of some uh, other n- notes here. Um, Interesting, the NWA United Wrestling Network, November 3rd, pay-per-view pay- pay- did 3700 which is actually more than Elimination Chamber uh, did. Um, and Ring of Honor Final Battle did about 3100 but that doesn't include the Honor Club service. So, uh, I mean, people don't really traditionally buy wrestling pay-per-view, obviously, for WWE anymore. I mean, they're, they're there. There's, you know, three to
3: 7,000 people doing it, but. Paying 60 bucks. It's been 60 bucks. So let's, let's talk about what these numbers are. Uh, this is something that Dave reported in the Observer this past Friday morning. This would have come out. Um, he apparently got a report from s- someone who works in, in, the, in the pay-per-view industry, probably the cable industry. Um, so it looks like he got a report from one cable or satellite company and has extrapolated probably, okay, we know that this cable company controls X percent of the universe. So we extrapolate that to 100% and we get this number. Um, is that a big enough sample? We don't know because he's not telling us how much of a, per- how much of a sample percent by percentage this was. So I don't know, maybe take it with a grain of salt, but, but you know, whatever we'll see. Um, the thing is we never really know what, what the pay view numbers really are. Um, it's it's not like UFC where UFC will make a public statement. Um, I, I, I wish that these wrestling companies would, you know, but <laughs> but uh they, they they don't and uh, and and I wonder if you know we, even when USC makes the reports they make these reports like that night or the next day or something. And the the pay per view industry is such a lagged industry in terms of getting the actual sales. Uh, it takes a long time to even know I think with certainty what the final number was, but obviously you can make an estimate uh, based on the activity that you that you are aware of that night. So who knows? Maybe 150, 159,000. now. Dave thinks for the, the pay-per-view number for AEW or the, uh, the promoter who's uh, grew up reading the observer like I did uh, and, and is now in, in control of the, the second biggest company in the world. So doing
2: well. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to talk about this week, Brandon?
3: I don't know. I've got a uh, MLW uh, report also from the observer. Uh, the, the, the story has been floated that they are uh, maybe going to have some sort of Working agreement, maybe, with WWE. Yeah, I did see that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, NLW and Core Power have, have been, uh, in, done an impressive job of sort of gradually climbing the ladder, uh, in terms of getting these media deals, uh, whether it's BN Sport or Dazon, not DAZN, but DAZN. DAZN. Confusing, confusing branding there, but DAZN is the pronunciation, apparently. And now with Vice, um... I think that's impressive. Uh, I, I don't know what the point of differentiation is about MLW. Uh, they call their matches fights and, and they purport to have a more sports-like presentation. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how much that's really bared out in the content other than that branding. So I don't really, I don't have a ton of optimism for what that, what, what MLW could really grow into beyond uh, a, a level well beyond where it is now. But, um, you know, I think they've done a, a great job making deals throughout the media industry. Uh, I, I think WB will uh, it, it, the, the report is that it would be a place MLW would be a place for, by God, they've got all these wrestlers. Let's give them something to do. And then it
2: yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, strategically, cynically, it's, it's a way to uh, here's this, this brand that's growing and getting into these, these media deals. Maybe we should sort of put our thumb on that and make sure we're in control of, of this company. And we can, you know, eat up the personnel and the wrestlers if we have to, much like evolve and, and various companies in the UK that like progress that they've uh, you know that they made relationships with and and cannibalized from the inside
2: that's <laughs> it, it's you know you say that and that's exactly what I was thinking like they get in there and then they it would really be the first dibs if they want to take Tom Lawler or Calvin Tankman or Richard Holiday or the von Erics like these are all or, or core power. G- or Core Bauer himself. Yeah. Or the, it's I mean, Gabe. Gabe's, Gabe's
3: now working for NXT.
2: Yeah. So right. there's, there's definitely people there. Um, and then I, they're, they're like commentary team. I mean, I'd Rich Rokini's there, but I know like they've used, they use a lot of sports guys too, which you mean, no, know, loves sports guys now for their like announcing like guys with really good sports experience. So I, it makes sense to me. I mean, and WB can say, oh, look, we're working with people with really, we know, you know, it's to their benefit, you know.
3: Yeah. And, and Triple H will go on a conference call and say everybody's making yeah. too big of a deal about this. Everybody pl- builds this up in their heads like it's, you know, some kind of war or that, you know, we're trying to mess with people. We don't know. We want everybody. The rising boat lifts all ships. We love all those guys. And, you know, people are just, they, they craft their own narrative.
2: That's- and meanwhile, Ring of Honor is like, they, they, CMLL just terminated their relationship with them. and That's true. They're, yes. they're just there. <laughs> yeah.
3: We could talk about that. I don't have that much to say about it. On that,
2: I, I don't know much. I mean, it's Lucha Libre is actually really fixated in the Ring of Honor style right now. So it, to me, I mean, they have those guys under contracts, the Roosh and, and, and Dragon Lee and all. I believe a lot of those guys are under contract Ring of Honor, which is huge. But you don't have that feeder system now. And A seems to have a, a relationship with Impact and AEW, so. Yep, I mean, I mean that, that's all I got for this week. Uh, so I guess we'll do some social media plugs. Uh, you could check me out, Chris Gullo, on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook uh, fan page. And I also uh, check out my other podcast, Rediscovering the Indies, RTI Pod on Twitter, and then uh, Instagram and uh, uh, Facebook, it's Rediscovering the Indies. And we, uh, we're we continuing our deep dive into do. XPW and uh, we'll be actually be recording part 3 this upcoming weekend so uh it's a three
3: part series.
2: It it may be four. <laughs> four. It, it, it we we don't know how much how lengthy we're going to discuss the trial uh but the trial's going to take a big chunk so it may be four but it may be three.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh I was on the Wrestling Inc Daily podcast this week thanks to them for having me. You can check that out that is on there on their podcast feed and their YouTube channel. I was always also on the place to be nation's main event podcast on Wednesday or that's, that's when it was recorded. Uh, but you can uh, all the usual, you can get access to the Russell Alex viewership spreadsheet, which you must have. If you truly want to understand and follow along uh, the, the viewership uh, that's happening across RAW, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Impact Wrestling. And uh, I even started a miscellaneous data tab for the other wrestling-related programs, including Ms and Mrs., Total Bellas, uh, the AE programs that we discussed earlier. And there's there's a, a lot going back to 2015 in that tab. Numerous tabs showing you all sorts of ways to analyze and, and view this data and make sense of it. Again, that's on the Patreon. For only $5 a month, you get this. Only $5 a month. You might have some consultants that want to charge you hundreds of dollars per hour to uh, investigate this data and help you make sense of it. Only $5 a month patreoncom Also, this week on the Patreon, uh, there was a post about WWE and SmackDown viewership and how it, it, it traditionally declines in May and what we might expect in this month, May 2021. A further breakdown of WrestleMania 37 ticket sales, just putting that in a more digestible manner. And the Russellomics notebook usually comes out every every uh, week, and you you could follow along with it. Uh, for this podcast that you're listening to right now so those are the plugs yeah that's all all of that for five dollars a month that's whatever we got for just the most recent week obviously that's five dollars for an entire month so and thanks to everybody who does uh, support through patreon and helps us invest in doing things like uh being able to use an application called extract table so i can better uh grab data and, and help everybody analyze it and understand it. And we've used the money in the past for Facebook advertising to conduct surveys for equipment and things of that nature. And uh, you can follow WrestleNomics at WrestleNomics. You can go to WrestleNomics.com and you can follow me at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. He's Chris Gullo, and We'll talk to you next time.